Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome, 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 everyone, to episode 73 of the Stardom Cast. I am your host. I am your friend. I am Matt Turner. I hope everybody is doing fantastic today. I hope all the listeners, the friends and family of the Stardom Cast, the Stardom Cast Army are going out there, kicking ass, taking names, living your dreams, and getting a little bit better every single day as we have a super fun show for you. And we are, you can hear it knocking. You can hear it knocking. It's not the mailman. It's not the milkman. No, that is, we are on the doorstep to the five-star Grand Prix, just right around the corner as of this recording. Probably as you're listening to this, maybe you're watching it with uh, listening to the little Uncle MT in the background talking about these last few shows. Obviously, the five-star Grand Prix is the main course, and maybe the Stardom Cats is just the appetizer. But be that as it may, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody's super excited for the five-star Hope everybody enjoyed my review of the five-star Grand Prix. And by all means, keep those tweets coming. Let me know who you think your surprises are going to be for the five-star Grand Prix. So before we dive into uh, the three shows I'm going to review, I'm just going to have a little little sip of water for the working man here. Just to keep things going. Okay, news-wise. Really not much news-wise in the world of stardom, but a lot of news going on in the world of professional wrestling. And I understand this is not the WWE or WWF podcast it is the stardom cast but i kind of just want to touch on something and trust me i'll tie it all back into uh stardom obviously the giant news coming out of the wrestling world this week was vince mcmahon at age 77 finally retiring as the chairman of the wwe you know i think that everybody knows why vince pretty much kind of had to step down and i'm not gonna get into all that i'm not condoning anything that vince did there obviously this is a positive podcast i'm gonna keep everything on the positive side but there's an old saying that you're kind of a product of your environment. For example, for all my American listening fans that understand American football, my dad grew up in the 70s right outside Pittsburgh. So the biggest thing in his life for a decade was the steel curtain of the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, Mean Joe Green, Jack Ham, Mel Blanc, Jack Lambert, Terry Bradshaw, Franco Harris, etc., etc. I grew up, as we talk about on this podcast, uh, in northeastern Pennsylvania in the 80s, two hours away from Philadelphia, about two hours away from New York City, about an hour away from Allentown, about an hour and a half away from Newark, New Jersey. The biggest thing on my TV, you know, that's the backyard of you know, the old WWF. The biggest thing on my TV was Hulk Hogan and WrestleMania. WrestleMania is always, even now, I'm 40, WrestleMania is always a big, big deal to me. And that's, that's Vince's brainchild. That whole entire thing with WrestleMania blowing up and Hulkamania and even the Attitude Era and everything. You know, for the last 40 years, you've seen Vince, you've seen on your TV and just the crazy expansion 
of professional wrestling, not only here in the States, but all across the world. That's all the brainchild of the genius uh, that's Vince McMahon. So you got to give Vince a ton of credit for, you know, what wrestling has become in the last 40 years. And for any of, my, any of the listeners that are, you know, in their 30s or 40s or, or in 50s, first of all, thank you, as always. Appreciate you uh, supporting the podcast. But you understand what I mean is that wrestling used to be just a territory system. You know, you would have your, you know, your East Coast, your Pacific Northwest, you know, your Texas area, your Mid-South, you know, Florida, the whole nine. And Vince just took everything worldwide, literally worldwide. I mean, where he would go over to Japan and England and, you know, take over everything there. So who knows what wrestling would be now in the year 2022 if it wasn't for the genius of that is Vince McMahon. Now, again, I'm not condoning, you know, what Vince did. Again, we're going to keep everything on the positive side. But again, I'm going to tie this everything into stardom. Now with Vince stepping down, it was just announced just a day or two as of this recording or before this recording, that Triple H will be taken over. And we've seen what Triple H was able to do with the two or three years he was head of NXT. Look at all the talent that he brought in, you know, all the guys from Ring of Honor, your Roderick Strong, your Kyle O'Reilly, your Bobby Fish, your um, Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, et cetera, et cetera. But then, again, here's my, here's my tie into stardom. Here's my segue into stardom. Your Io Shirai. Kari Sane, Hojo, Kari, whatever you want to call it, or, you know, whatever you want to call her. Right now, she's just Kari in the WWE, obviously, she's Kari Sane. And before that, in Stardom, she was Kari, uh, she was uh, Kari Hojo. So, I guess this is the, you know, this is the segment of the EO Shirai watch. There's been next to no news last seven or eight days on EO. Supposedly, she's got one foot out the door. We don't know. We know her contract is coming up soon. Is this a mad dash now that Triple H? Now that he's in control, this is a mad dash for him to try to get EO back. Obviously, he was one of EO is one of Triple H's big, big signees. You know, when he signed her back in 2018, is it a mad dash to get EO back? You know, about a year and a half ago, WWE set a press release out saying we're not hiring independent wrestlers. We're not hiring overseas wrestlers. We're literally just anybody new that's going to come in our system. We're training them through our system. They're all athletes, and that's what you've seen. And it's you know, you basically take. I mean, I'm an independent worker myself, and I know a lot of. I have a lot of friends that moved down to Florida to try to train up at the Performance Center to get a job with WWE, and they were pretty much told, nope, sorry, you're a professional wrestler. You know, you basically have like a caution sign on you, you know, get get out. Is that what Triple H is? He's he going to go back signing independent talent, talent from overseas? I think so. And now where does it begin? Actually, I don't know how stardom contracts work, but where does it begin now with Triple H saying, okay, you know, once he gets settled in this role, okay, we lost Kari. We lost EO if EO, you know, does come back to Japan when we first started. And we're all, you know, we're all pretty much keeping our fingers crossed. We see her back in the starting ring as soon as possible. But does he sit down and say, okay, let's see whose contract's coming up in stardom? You know, a Julia, a Tan, a Natsupoi, a Utami, some of these big, big stars. And, hey, they're going to be wrestling in front of, you know, 12,000, 13,000 people in, in arenas every week. A couple million on TV. We could offer them big money, put them in the video game, the shirts, the merchandising, the action figures, yada, yada, yada. So that's where I'm kind of tying this all in the stardom thing is, you know, let me know what you think. Do you think that once Triple H gets settled, is he going to go back to what he was doing with NXT, which is a bigger platform? The fact that he's going to be running Raw and SmackDown. Do you see him, you know, starting to go over to Tokyo Joshi Pro to stardom and start picking up some female talents there? So that's just uh, something I think maybe that we should definitely be on the lookout for. So, and again, I don't know how the stardom contracts work. If you guys do, you know, please let me know. You know how to get a hold of me, Matt Turner OF on the Instagram and or the Twitter. 
So uh, that's really about all the news segment that I have. So let's go into the shows. Uh, we have the uh, the two pay-per-views from this past weekend, uh, the Midsummer's Champion in Nagoya and the Stardom Showcase Volume 1. And I actually forgot up until maybe about an hour ago as I was prepping for the show that I did not get a chance to review the show from the 18th in Sapporo. So we got three reviews here. So uh, let's just jump right into it. Match number one was Momo Kogo versus Lady C. This is a match that after it happened on Twitter and the, the internets, the internets got a lot of buzz because they went to a 15 minute time limit draw. And a lot of people were kind of scratching their heads saying, you know, why would you put two people that aren't in the five star? Um, and you know what? I'm going to back up here. We do have one more news segment uh, as of this morning that Tekla, her injury is not going to heal properly and she will not be able to wrestle in the five star Grand Prix and Momo Kogo is going to take her place. Uh, first of all, I think it's a great replacement because I think Momo Kogo has really, really shown how, how much he's improved these last six or seven weeks, you know, between this match with Lady C, which I'll get into in a minute. Obviously, that match which she had with Izumi uh, at the Midsummer's Champion show a few weeks ago, I thought absolutely stole the show. It was the sleeper match of the night. So I think that's a good replacement. As far as uh, with Tekla being out of the five-star, that's uh, it's when you're in tournaments like that and you're wrestling constant, constantly wrestling, and you're wrestling, you have to wrestle hard every night. It's not like a tag or just a throwaway match. You really are trying to go out there and steal the show to rise your stock. That's not a tournament that you want to go in injured. You want to, I'm sure, you know, these competitors in the other five star, I'm sure next to no one's at 100% just for how hard they've been running and just, you know, how well that they're doing, that their, their bodies are taking a beating. But when you're going in with a shoulder injury and a tricep injury that Tekla has, you, you're going to come out of this thing a lot worse physically wise. So it's something that it's like, well, if she was to push it and maybe get cleared. And I think that's the thing. I don't think she got cleared. I don't think that uh, if she wanted, would she be able to finish the five star? Even if she did, it would probably set her back, It'd probably set her back six or seven months because she'd probably have to take more time off. So I know, you know, uh, you know, first thing that you're thinking about is like, man, that's thanks for Tekla. But in the long run, I think this is the best thing for her. I think going into the fall, you're going to see Tekla going an absolute tear and uh, see her happy and healthy for next year's five-star, which I'm sure is going to be crazy loaded. <laughs> you know, I know we're a year away. But anyway, as usual, I get off track. <laughs> Match number one, Momo Kogo versus Lady C. I was a fan when I heard they gave these two ladies 15 minutes. I'm a big fan of Lady C, big fan of Momo Kogo. I think it was smart by Rossi Ogawa to give these ladies some time. Hey, you know, let's go out there and see what they can do. In a singles match, and there's no tag partners, there's no Utami, there's no Saya, there's no Mayu, there's no Hazuki, there's no Kogamach, just the two of them. Mano y mano, one-on-one for 15 minutes, and I thought they delivered. I thought they delivered. I was thoroughly impressed with this match. Uh, Momo, right from the start, tries for a high-speed offense, but Lady C uses her size to cut her off. Momo quickly goes for Lady C's legs uh, to try to get some offense there. Really good pacing and selling from both these ladies. Lady C does a really good job working the Cobra Twist. She keeps going back to it. Momo gets out. She keeps going back to it. She's done a really good job getting that move over in her moveset. Momo shows really fire on fighting back on the, the bigger opponent here. Lady C just chops away and chopping away on Momo. Hits a big choke slam for two. At this point, the crowd is really building up into this match, really investing in the two. Really good way to get this uh, crowd going here. Momo counters a choke slam into a Hurricanrana for two. She hits a 619 DDT for two. And then Momo hits the Nectar Peach as the time limit expires. Three and three-fourth stars. I thought that was good booking to kind of have Momo on top here towards the end. Especially, you know, now that she gets the five-star berth. So, you know, she's the 619 DDT and the Nectar Peach as the time limit expires. I thought that was that was smart. So if you were going to go on Judge's scorecard, 
I think maybe Momo had it here, but then again, at the same time, Lady C was really working in those submissions on her. But I thought it was terrific. Like I said, three and three fourth stars. Match number two saw one of my favorite tag teams, uh, upcoming tag teams, Pink Kabuki of Mina Shirakawa and Yunagi from Cosmic Angels, taking on the team representing stars, Suzuki and Saida. Chat battle between Yunagi and Saida to start, and then Yunagi boots Saida, and then uh, it turns into the fantastic double team. You know, they have they have Saida down, meaning Yunagi start double teaming on Saida until Hazuki Mania comes in and runs wild. I think that's my, my new segment on this show. Uh, Suzuki made it always seems in these tag matches that uh, she always gets the hot tag and she comes in on fire So Hazuki mania comes in running wild boots scrapes for up for all Hazuki and Mina have a really good throw down and then you uh, Yunagi and Hazuki have a kickoff where they're basically just kicking each other back and forth I thought that was really good really cool uh, cool segment there a double tag out to Sai and Mina and then so really get some really good double team moves from the cosmic angels team again They do a really good job Mina and Yunagi, just all the Cosmic Angels do a really good job with double and triple teams. But we're really seeing Mina and Yunagi really coming into their own. I'm real excited to see what they're going to do in this five-star. And then coming out of the five-star, I just, you know, fingers crossed as we're getting towards the fall here, uh, you know, in the next few months, that the Goddess of Stardom Tournament is they do a good job building Mina and Yunagi up. And they don't split them up. And they don't split them up. I think they're going to do Tam and Natsupoi as a team and Mina and Yunagi as another. I really hope that Mina, they don't split up the Mina Yunagi team going in the five-star. Anywho, uh, Mina just piles on on Saida. You know, big move after big move. Two uh, huge, huge uh, forearms. And then she hits that fantastic Instaguri. And she hits two glorious driver Minas back-to-back for the win. 14 minutes, 46, 46 seconds. Three and three-fourth stars uh, for me on this one. Moving on to match number three, we see the tag team representing Oedo Taya, Momo Watanabe, Ruwaka, and Starlight Kid, two-thirds of the Artists of Stardom champions, taking on probably my favorite trio in all of stardom, the Horsemen, for all you old-school wrestling fans, <laughs> Saya Kamatani, Yutami Aishista, and Izumi. Starts with a brawl on the outside as Oedo Taya gets the jump, of course. Oh, that dirty, dirty Oedo Taya. Izumi gets thrown in. They get a small heat on her. A uh, really good exchange uh, with Momo on, uh, on Izumi. Um, and, you know, she basically takes over until Yutami and Saida have enough of it. They see just enough on Izumi. Anytime Izumi will get a little bit up coming off the heat, Momo would just beat her down with kicks and then some a little interference. And then the uh, former tag team champions of Aphrodite, Saya, and Yutami come to uh, Izumi's aid. I thought that was really good. Um, the tag champs uh, they, they are... There's some really good solid exchanges with Utami and Momo. And then in parentheses, I even have, when are we going to finally get this match? This When are we finally going to get this one-on-one match that we've been building towards since there was still snow on the ground? Which in Pennsylvania kind of still means April. But you know what I mean, since uh, December with the, the turn. Starlight Kid and Saya uh, Kamatani, they basically pick up where they left off at the pay-per-view a couple weeks ago. We kind of get a little mini-match with that. And then we get some stuff with Ruaka and Izumi. Ruaka showing off a little bit of high speed here. I thought that was cool. So maybe that's a match they may entertain somewhere down the line after the five-star. Queen's Quest uses some fantastic triple team moves on Ruaka. And uh, Azumi uses the Azumi Sushi for the win at 11 minutes, 53 seconds. Another three and three-fourth stars match. So uh, three matches in a row, just right below four stars. So really good way to start this show. And then Queen's Quest challenges for a way to tie for the Artist of Stardom title belts. If they are to retain after the pay-per-view, which, uh, hey, we will get into that. And, you know, spoilers, if you, uh, <laughs> spoilers are coming if you didn't see the two pay-per-view matches. So, obviously, that challenge will be coming down uh, 
it's probably sometime after the five star or in some of these matches, uh, these five star shows that's a little bit light. Maybe they'll throw that on there. So who knows? Match number four is how the God's Eye team of Mirai, Amy Sori, and the World of Stardom Champion Sherry taking on the team representing Donald Del Mundo, Donald Del Mundo Julia, Micah, and May Sakurai, or you can say uh, Micah and Oh My Julia. Fantastic start with Julia and Mirai. Uh, some really good stuff there uh, between, you know, Mirai, the former Donald Del Mundo, uh, part, part of uh, Julia's, you know, Donald Del Mundo uh, faction. So a really good way to start that off, the two of them going back and forth at each other. Really good tackle exchange with uh, Micah and Amy. Sorry, I'm a big fan of that. Big fan of just the going back and forth, like whose will is going to break. So I always thought that's a really cool spot. And uh, Micah and uh, Amy do a really good job with it. Julian, they get tagged out to Julian, Sherry, and they just tear it down. Just tear it down, just showing flashes of their championship match from back in March from the World Climax and from what a lot of people thinking is going to be Sherry's next challenger. Because a lot of people have Julia picked to win the five star. So maybe that's just a little tease that they're giving us there. Uh, they do double headbutts and uh, basically double knockout. I thought that was really cool to end, end their uh, their heat segment. I thought it was really good. Double tag to May Sakurai and Mirai. They do a really good job showing uh, Amy Sori and Mirai's tag spots, you know, as this match is building, which is smart. You know, you got the pay-per-view coming up. You have one of the main events. One of the title matches is Amy Sori and Mirai getting a tag title match. So I thought that was really good to where they put their tag stuff, their biggest stuff in the matches just as the match was really reaching their crescendo. And it showed a really good job of just how good Mariah and Amy Sorry can be together. So I thought that was really good. And hopefully, you know, that's a, they're a team that, that they stay together for a while after the five-star. Big superplex uh, from Micah onto Mariah, followed up by the double elbow from Oh My Julia. Uh, sprint with Micah and, uh, excuse me, with Mariah and May Sakurai towards the end. Did a really good job highlighting May Sakurai here. Time limit draw. So we see two time limit draws on one show. Both matches were fantastic. So I am not going to complain. I had this at four stars. I, and uh, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. We move on to the main event of Tam Nakano and Natsupoi taking on the team of Koguma and Mayu Iwatani representing the team of stars. Uh, double team from Tom and Natsupoi to get the early advantage on Koguma. I thought that was smart. You know, this is uh, you're trying to build Tam and Natsupoi up as a tag team. And, you know, Natsupoi is almost kind of like now the second in command of Cosmic Angels. So I thought that was a really good job. That they're using tag team moves on Koguma, who is the tag team champion, one half of the tag team champions. So I thought that was really good psychology there to kind of, you know, building up Tam and Natsupoi as a team. Mayu comes in and gets up on Natsupoi, and then we we uh, get some stuff with Tam and Mayu that still that stuff has not been settled yet. From We're closing out in about a year and a half here. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. I mean, the last one-on-one match they had... They went to a 30-minute time limit draw, and we're still waiting to see when when we're going to get that blow-off. So, uh, you know, hopefully sometime after the five. There are so many matches they can go to after the five-star. It's ridiculous. Like, everyone's talking about how great the five-star is going to be, and it is. I mean, on paper, literally, I'm literally looking at my brackets and my paper. On paper, it's going to be fantastic, but there's still, like, a dozen dream matches coming out of it. And that's if we don't get Io Shirai coming back either. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> really good double-team stuff from Stars. I am a big fan of Mayu and Koguma as a tag team. Obviously, Koguma and Hazuki, that's the team to go to. But I think Mayu and Koguma have some really, really good chemistry. So I thought a lot of that stuff was really good. Koguma and Natsupoi, they have really good chemistry together as well as they've been in a handful of high-speed uh, match, high-speed title matches. So that some really good stuff, back-and-forth stuff we saw from there. Um, really, near, near, neither team really having a clear advantage. You know, you'd have Natsupoi and Tam hit like one or two things, and then Mayu and Koguma would come and hit one or two things. So I thought that was uh, that was really cool, really cool to see. 
uh, stereo dives into stereo German suplexes from Tam and Natsapor. I thought that was cool. How they, you know, did the two dives and then they pitched them back, ran to the ring, and then hit the basically almost like a like a side waterfall German suplexes. As Tam and Natsapor have fantastic bridges and fantastic bridges build fantastic German suplexes. Koguma nearly rolls up on Natsapoi, but Tam breaks it up. Double super kicks, and then Boy hits Koguma with the ferry train. 19 minutes, 32 seconds. Another match that came close to the time limit here. I guess that's why we only had five matches, but four stars. So two matches at four stars, and three matches at uh, three and three four stars. So this was a solid match. Solid match that kind of wet the appetizer for the pay-reviews coming up. So, And that's what we're going to get into. So Stardom in Showcase Volume 1. Or numero uno, as uh, Zumi's finish will be called. Or for all you Arnold Schwarzenegger Pumping Iron fans, that shirt he wore after he beat Lou Ferrigno for the Mr. Universe Championship. This is Arnold is numero uno. So I just watched this match today. Full disclosure, I had a super busy, busy weekend. And I ordered the uh, the pay-per-view on Saturday. And I knew that I was probably watching maybe a little bit on Sunday morning and the rest on Sunday night. I was going to order the Stardom and Showcase pay-per-view. And then just, I'll get around to watching it when I can get around to watching it. Until I saw there was a disclaimer that it would only be up for about four or five hours after the viewing. I was gonna, I was away this weekend, uh, about 200 some odd miles away, one way, uh, for catch my uh, basically quarterly catch wrestling camp at the Snake Pit USA in New Jersey, which was brutal and fantastic. So I thought, well, there's no point in me spending this money on the show when by the time I get to it, it's going to be off. So. I had to wait till it went up on Stardom World, which as of this recording, it went up, uh, th- you know, this morning. So just anybody that watched on pay-per-view, I didn't see the entrances or anything that happened like after the bell rang. because it basically just faded to black because I think with the music rights or whatever. So, yeah, I just did these notes about four or five hours ago, and I still can't believe some of the stuff that I wrote. So <laughs> obviously I went to the show with an open mind. I thought it was super fun. So <laughs> let's just run through it, shall we? The Nagoya Rumble, I'm not going to go through everything here. <laughs> just I just don't have the time. And I thought it was super fun. There was a lot of star power in this thing. You, know, you had Bayou, you had Hazuki. You had a you had a lot of uh, really good star power in here. I thought that one of the coolest spots was uh, was when Rina and Hina, where uh, they basically cleared out the ring, and the two of them are throwing blows. And the next person coming down for the Rumble, of course, is Hannon. So I was like, yeah, that makes sense. So you're like a three-way brawl between the three sisters, you know, basically a glimpse into the future of what stardom will be in the next few years where the three of them basically, you know, they might be the, the new three musketeers or the new freedom, which I have no problem with because the three of, the, three of them ladies, young ladies are absolutely fantastic in the ring. So uh, when we get the return of uh, Goken Death, I thought that was pretty cool too. I was like, oh, wait a minute, you know, the many faces of death. So we haven't seen that in a minute or two. Uh, Death rose up Miyu for the win. I thought it was cool how they had Miyu, Miyu Yamasaki in the final two. So, you know, giving it a little bit of rub. I thought that was pretty cool. Match number three was the Tower in Power over the top rope challenge match between Mike and Himika versus Ami Sora and Saya Ida. Um, I obviously, this card got changed up uh, a little bit because of the injuries to Yutami uh, and Natsupoi. Um, and, you know, obviously, Tekla's still out as well. So, uh, basically, the rules of this match is you kind of just got to throw, you know, your opponent over the top rope. Uh, Ami Sori and Saida get some good chops in to get the early advantage. Of course they do, you know. Is there any two chop any two people in Japan chopping harder than Ami Sori and Saida? That's not Kenta Kabashi. Even though Kabashi's been retired about ten years, I still think he's probably the hardest chopper in that country. So I thought that was cool. And I was like, oh man, if they ever, you know, Saida ever jump ship and goes the god's eye, that would be a, you know, I like the Ami Sori Mirai tag team, but 
You know, I, I, I wouldn't complain if we get an Ami Saeed tag match, you know, tagging up against uh, anybody else uh, coming down because you can just kind of just see, no, I chop harder. No, I chop harder. I thought that's, that was pretty cool here. Um, Saeed and Micah basically have a lariat off and it basically just ends with uh, Micah hitting the, uh, you know, rolling elbow, a rolling uh, lariat, the discus lariat, and then dumping uh, Ami over the top, or excuse me, Sai over the top rope. And it was like really short. Like after it happened, I was like, I looked at the time, like the clip on Stardom was like seven minutes, 46 seconds. I was like, oh, kind of wish we had more time because like the match just really started building and then the finish happened. So uh, three stars. They worked hard. It was good. Like, I would love to see this match get double the time, 14, 15 minutes. Okay. Cosmic rules match. Mina Versaki versus Yunagi. Now, I did go into this with an open mind, and this match was fine because they basically told you what this match was going to be. I know maybe about a month or maybe six or seven weeks ago, there was a three-way with, I think it was Izumi, Yunagi, and Koguma, and it turned into like 80% comedy and 20% wrestling. And I wasn't a fan of it just because of, like, you figure you get those three on paper, you're going to have a fantastic wrestling match. And I just, you know, as always, if it's something I don't like, I don't like it, that's it, move on, you know, whatever. And I think I even ended with, hey, the crowd was into it, so good on that. I knew what I was getting into with this match. I knew I wasn't getting Funk Briscoe. I know I wasn't getting Masawa Kawada. I know I wasn't getting Steamboat Flair. You know, I knew what I was getting into because they basically told you what it was going to be. My, I guess my biggest complaint with this match is they did promos or backstage segments with Mina and Yunagi drinking beer. And then even the graphic had, if you remember, NASA player was supposed to be in this match. Even the graphic had a beer next to all four competitors. And there was no beer in this match. I'm a guy that likes to, you know, sit down and watch some wrestling or sit on my back porch on a hot summer's day and have a nice cold beer. There was no beer in this match. It's like, come on. You know, that's you said this is what this match was going to be. It was going to be, you know, funny and gimmicks and ha-ha and who he's and, you know, PG-14. And we got all that. But, like, you built this on beer. I didn't get any beer. <laughs> but uh, the weapons that included this match included a fishnet, a serving tray, and a bunch of water guns. And then they use the water gun on the ref, which I immediately said, wait a minute. I don't know what it's cosmic rules. I don't know what the rules are exactly, but you know me. I don't like it when the ref gets abused. That should be a disqualification. Uh, Mina gets her. Sh I can't believe I can't believe I'm going to say this on podcast. I can't. Mina takes her shirt out only for, for Saki to boot her in the head. That's a cool little spot. A good forearm, forearm exchange between the three members of this match. Again, I can't believe I'm going to say this. <laughs> Yunagi takes off Mina's top. Mina comes back into the ring wearing a towel. All three brawl and keep hitting the referee until my face is, hey, you got to follow the rules until the referee's like, I had enough. And he throws it out. And I was like, that's a brilliant finish. You know, you're kind of abusing the ref here. And I'm watching this match. I was literally going, yeah, they should make a DQ. They should, you know, as I'm joking and laughing and watching this match, having a fun time with it. And then they DQ him. I'm like, damn right. Respect your referees. Any independent wrestler that's out there that's listening to this, respect your referee. You don't see anybody punching an NBA official, do you? Or, a, you know, a linebacker taking a helmet off and trying to swing it at an NFL official, do you? And for all you soccer fans out there, how many times have you seen the soccer player take his cleat off and try to stab the referee in the eye with it? Doesn't happen. I don't think it's happened, but I didn't rate this match. I laughed. I enjoyed it. I, again, I knew it was going to be. It was a good comedy match. <laughs> But we go right from the comedy to serious business here. Two words, I quit, as I'm going to butcher this name. Representing prominence, Kamori Higari. Higari, I think I got it. Higari 
taking on our World of Stardom Champion, Sherry. Uh, I thought this match was fantastic. It was hard-hitting right, right, up, right up my alley here. You know, complete 180 from the match we saw before. And this, this Stardom and Showcase had a little bit of everything, didn't it? Uh, Sherry gets the quick advantage, uh, goes right into an armbar. Hagari escapes to the outside. Sherry follows her right out. And after she starts kicking her into oblivion, oblivion and then locks on that rear naked choke I'm such a huge fan of. They spill back into the ring. Really, some really good stiff form exchanges between these two. Um, Hagari basically backs Sherry and almost like knocks Sherry out of the basically knocks Sherry out of the ring out of the apron. She goes for another forearm and Sherry locks in a beautiful armbar in the ropes. You can't call for a DQ because I quit here. Really, really smart. Hagari gets out and then starts pummeling Sherry up the entrance way and basically picks her up like in a backbreaker, like the old uh, Gino Hernandez backbreaker, old Hercule Hernandez backbreaker for all my 1980s wrestling fans. Uh, she just carries her up the back, and the two of them start pummeling each other. She locks her rear naked choke on Sherry, but if anybody's going to know that counter, it's her. Sherry reverses the choke, chokes her unconscious. Can't say I quit if you're unconscious. Sherry, being the smartest wrestler in the room, dumps a bottle of water on her to revive her and starts hitting kick after kick after kick. Hagari still won't quit, so Sherry picks her up on the shoulder and makes it look like she's going to give her the ruin onto the ramp or off the ramp, and not unless she says she quits. Hagari says, I had enough of this. She says, I quit. And Sherry, just being the badass she is, says, yeah, I don't care. You're representing prominence. We don't like you. And slams her through the uh, the table to end. I thought this was great. Really, really solid stuff. And I was um, really impressed by Hagari. Three and three, four stars. thought that was really good. Moving on to the uh, excuse me, match number five. Falls Con Anywhere between four of my favorites, Tam Nakano, Koguma, Azumi, and Momo Watanabe. They get some high-speed stuff to start. Match builds to the outside where Azumi, not to the outside, but even to the all the way the back to the catering area, where Azumi steals. I, I'm going to say she stole here. And I'm a big fan of Azumi. She's one of my favorite wrestlers in the world. And uh, she's so lovable, but she steals like some fro frozen fish meals. She throws in the ring and she tries to suplex Momo Watanabe on there. And Momo says, absolutely not. She blocks it. Mizu uh, yeah, Mizumi. <laughs> Momo and Azumi have a really fun exchange back and forth. There's stuff together in this match. Yeah, there's a lot of silly stuff that happened in this match. There's a lot of serious stuff that happened as well. And Momo and Azumi, you know, former tag team partners, former goddess and stardom tag league champions, they still have a lot left that they have to settle. Their stuff here was really good. Really good. Eventually, they call for Daichi to go for a dive. But Rina, oh, she's just so mean. From a way to tie, pulls Daichi out. Again, you shouldn't be abusing the referee. But the only way this match could end is a fall counting anywhere. So it's no disqualification. So you cannot disqualify Momo here for having her fellow Oedo Tai member uh, pull Daichi out of the ring. Koguma. Um, and Koguma and Tam are doing roll-ups inside this inflatable bear. I believe that's what it was. And the next thing you know, they come out and they switch gear. Koguma is in Tam's gear. And Tam's in Koguma's gear. And I thought that was pretty funny. I thought that was that was, that that was something different. I was like, okay, I didn't see that. So you kind of have a serious match, you know, infused with a little bit of comedy, infused with a little bit of seriousness, with four fantastic competitors that are making all this all this magic work. So I have no problem with this. Um, they all wind up going for crazy dives, and then there's a pin attempt on the outside. I'm still trying to figure out who is pinning who because I'm confused with all the members of Oedo tie out there and stars and whatnot. And the fact that Tam and Koguma <laughs> have switched uniforms. But all I know is this pinfall on the outside is broken up with Azumi doing a double stop from the top rope onto this pile of humanity. I thought that was really good. Uh, all three members brawl up to the ramp until uh, Momo Watanabe decides, you know what, I'm just going to do a meteor onto every single person here. <laughs> I thought that was really good. 
Um, Momo is another note I didn't think I'd write. Momo and Izumi, who are broiled in this big feud that we're waiting to see the blow-off for, we're just holding our breaths for, as Izumi's one of the wrestlers of the year, and Momo's one of the best wrestlers on the planet. They're on this inflatable slide, and they're, they have leg locks locked into each other. <laughs> and then they slide down the slide. I thought that was terrific. Uh, and then, so they, so you have this fun segment and you're kind of laughing and they get up and they just start lighting each other up with stiff, stiff forearms. Like, so you go from ha ha to serious. I mean, they're really laying into each other here. I mean, Izumi's striking her. I'm a wild big fan of her kicks. She's a really good kicker, but she's going forearm for forearm with Momo here. Something maybe to really look out for maybe during the five star is, you know, how good is Izumi's forearms going to be that may set up some of her offense. So maybe a little side note there, folks. So at this point, Tam winds up coming back down, and here comes Koguma. She's setting up for one of her giant dives. We've seen in the ladder match. We've seen in the cage match. This dive is a little bit further. However, it's all into a giant inflatable thing. And I don't know if it's planned or not, but she slips into the bouncy house, and you can literally see all three, all four members of this match holding in their laughter. Eventually, Zumi says, I had enough of this. Picks up Koguma in her Tam outfit. It takes her back to the entranceway and gives her a snap suplex through the wall for the win. Three and a half stars. There was seriousness. There was comedy. This was trickery. It's had a little bit of everything in here. So uh, I thought that was real fun. Match number seven, the hardcore match with Oh My Julia. Julia and Mai Sakurai versus Risa Sarah and Suzu Suzuki. This, to me, this was the best match of the show this is the match that had like the most heat going into it because it's basically kind of where they built, they've been building this match up since prominence you know, a few months ago, basically came onto the scene and May Sakurai's trying to really prove herself to the leader down to Mundo, you know, to Julia that she can do this hardcore stuff. And, you know, we, I talk about it all the time on the show, May Sakurai, how much her stock has rise. I'm excited to see what she's going to do in the five star. And obviously Julia is going to be chasing, you know, that red belt here as we get into the, uh, the cooler months, the father months, but I'm a huge fan of this Oh My Julia tag team. They're gelling really well together. I'm not going to go over every little thing here. I mean, this is, this match is, it's, it's worth its weight in gold. I mean, it's worth the, you know, if you're just into hardcore wrestling, you know, subscribe on the Stardom World for the, the $7 a month that it's going to be. And this match is well worth your $7. So just a couple, again, I'm not going to go into everything because there was a lot here. I'm just over the highlights of the match. Suzu Suzuki stacks a pile of bricks onto Julia, and then she basically chops him down onto her stomach. Julia uh, comes back into the ring and runs wild and uh, brings the cinder blocks back in the ring. She suplexes Risa Sarah onto them. Julia sets up the blocks uh, onto a chair. She gives a drop toe hold onto Suzu Suzuki. Uh, Suzu, there's another spot where the action spills to the outside, where Suzu Suzuki pal drives Julia through a table onto the outside. Um, Julia suplexes Suzu Suzuki through a table. Uh, it was a table, like basically like a platform. That's got plastic fork sticking out of it. Folks, that can't feel good. Cannot feel good. You know, take a plastic fork and just kind of just lightly jab yourself with it. Imagine doing that from but like from like 12 feet above. Uh, you know, just these girls for prominence are nuts. And not only that, but like obviously the move is meant to damage Suzu. But Julia takes a lot of the brunt as well. Take it from someone who's done a zillion superplexes. Sometimes through tables. I've done it on attacks too. It's It, it hurts you as well. So Julia took, you know, proper, proper uh, props to Julia. And perhaps to May Sakurai, she was taking some bumps on the chairs and on the outside. Like, May was getting her ass kicked here, too. She was bumping all over the place as well. Uh, Suzu Suzuki, she suplexes May Sakurai off that giant ladder. That was a, that was a visual. They eventually wind up getting uh, Julia out of the ring, and they hit a German, uh, Suzu hits a German suplex onto, onto uh, May Sakurai for the win. Four stars. You know, I'm not... Hardcore wrestling has its place. You know, I grew up in the ECW era. I can't even tell you how many ECW shows I've been to when I was in high school. Um... 
and I, maybe the beginning, yeah, beginning part of, of in college until they fold it. So I was a big fan of that stuff. A lot of it, I, I, it's kind of just because I think some of the stuff they do is maybe just over the top. It's just stuff that I was like, wow, these people that are doing this hardcore stuff, it's just absolutely nuts. And it's just hard to keep up with them. God bless them for doing it as long as they're safe. But this, I think this really had its place. I, like I said, I was solid. It was my favorite match of the, of the night. We move on to the casket match. Saya Kamatani versus Starlight Kid versus the Grim Reaper. Right from the beginning, the mask comes off the Grim Reaper, which I thought was smart because, as you can see, uh, there really wasn't much movement, and you probably can't see out of that mask. So instead of like doing the reveal towards the end and maybe somebody getting hurt because you can't breathe or see out of that mask, they do the reveal, and it's uh, the best part I never heard of before. You? Why you, you? I think I have that right. Um, that That is revealed as a Grim Reaper. The stuff I saw from in this match was great. I thought she was solid. I think Saya and Starlight Kid did a good job bumping around for, for her, building and feeding towards her. So if that's what they were trying to go for, I mean, you literally had the two perfect dance partners to make this Grim Reaper character look really good in Saya Kamatani and Starlight Kid. Um, I was a fan of uh, Starlight Kid. It's this beautiful Asai Moonsault onto everybody. Big fan of when she does that. Reminds me of Ultimo Dragon, you know, 96, 97. Saya does this really, really good dive off the coffin. I thought that was a really cool visual. Aside Kamatani, her high fine stuff is you know second to none. Uh, and then they did some like double teams, you know, on the Grim Reaper U. Uh, they did like double moonsault at the same time. I thought that was really cool. But at the end, you just winds up getting just a huge advantage on both Saya and the uh, Starlight Kid. She pitches Saya into the coffin, and then she gives a last ride powerbomb on the Starlight Kid and throws her on top of Saya Kamatani for the win. Does that mean that you uh, gets a shot at the Wonder of Stardom Championship and the Artist of Stardom Champion? You know, maybe with Dracula and Frankenstein. I don't know. Overall, good show. I do like it how this is. It's not in continuity. It's like new blood. It's something completely different. And you can you can do gimmick matches here or there. And, hey, if it's for you, great. Uh, for me, I got no problem with gimmick matches, especially with these competitors in it. Like I said, there was some stuff that was super serious. The hardcore match, that grip match. There was some stuff that was super, super over-the-top funny, like, you know, the, uh, the Cosmic Rules match. And... Um, and then there was some stuff that had a, that basically had a little mix of of both the comedy and the series stuff, like the False Count Anywhere match. Overall, I really enjoyed the uh, the Stardom Showcase. But let's get into the main event of this podcast as we're rolling right along here. And that is the Midsummer Champions in Nagoya, which took place on the 24th of July. I want my beak here. Got my water with my alpha brain. You know, keep myself laser focused and sharp for you. You find folks at the Stardom Cast podcast world. First match had uh, Hana and Sayaida taking on uh, Rina and uh, Mei Sakurai. Really good stuff with Rina and uh, Sayaida. Uh, Hana, Hana, uh, Hana's dropkick is really, really good. As a, I'm, she basically comes in when she comes off that hot tag, coming in uh, really, really good uh, You know, on that dropkick. I thought that that was really, really good. There was some really good stuff back and forth. Uh, Mei, uh, Mai and uh, Sayaida really stiff each other. That was obviously the highlight of the match as we're building the two of them up going into the five-star and I thought it was weird. 10-minute time limit drop to start off pay-per-view. I thought it was kind of odd. Well, this match was just there. You know, they worked hard. It was, you know, I don't have really too much here. I was kind of a loss for words. Uh, yeah, I mean, really good the stuff with uh, my Sakurai and Saya. Saya Ida was really good. Other than that, it was kind of just there. Three stars. Moving on. Let me, you know, collect my thoughts and keep going here. Uh, <laughs> Mayu Iwatani and Momo Kogo versus Ruwak and Fukin Death. You get your normal shenanigans from Fukin Death, and nobody sells it better than our lovable hero, Mayu. Uh, they get some small heat on Mayu, and then they Mayu winds up firing back. Mayu and Momokogo hit the double 619 on Ruaka. 
And again, you know, I, I talked a little bit ago how I'm such a huge fan of Mayu and Koga teaming. But the last few podcasts, I was talking about how Mayu and Momo, that's kind of my kind of like the secondary team on stars that I, that my, my almost my new go to. I'm a big fan of Mayu and Momo, you know, teaming. It just shows you how good Mayu is. Just such good chemistry with so many different opponents. I mean, we've seen it obviously with with Kyrie and EO. Uh, we've seen it with uh, Saki Kashima as they were former tag team champions. Uh, we've seen her, you know, she does great stuff with, with Hazuki, great stuff with Koguma, and now with uh, Momo Kogo, who's only been with the promotion a few months. So it just really just shows you just to highlight how good Mayuri is, both as a singles and a tag wrestler. Um, super fi- crucifix bomb for the win. And this was an abrupt finish, too. That's like, oh, I didn't see that. Um, uh, for the win, three and a quarter stars. I think it was just basically kind of just that, you know, Ruaka really didn't do too much here. Death got her usual comedy stuff in. A couple of roll-ups here there. But I think it was just basically we're going to highlight Mayu and Momokogo. Pick out two or three uh, tag team moves you want to do and take it home. And that's kind of just what happened. So the first two matches for how solid. that you know, I'm not going to say they were bad. They weren't. But for how solid these pay-per-views have been, they're kind of just like there. You know, everybody worked hard and they got the crowd into it. And there's a lot of cool stuff happening. But I thought maybe, uh, you know, they could have added a little more substance. But who knows? Uh, maybe that's just me. We go to match number three. And I thought this was interesting. They put the high speed championship matchup, you know, this early on the card. And I actually, in the way this card built, I thought it was perfect because this was great. I thought this was fantastic. Um, Azumi, the high speed champion, taking on Oedo Tai's Rena. Obviously, Rena requests this match after the last Midsummer Championship pay per view where she double stomped uh, Azumi. And then the two of them had a profanity laced promo. One's 19, one's 15. Come on, kids. Wash your mouth out with soap for all you Christmas story fans out there. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Rina and Azumi, they start out with some really good high-speed offense. Azumi takes the advantage uh, over after Hurricane Rana on the outside. Rina uses a chair on, uh, and double knees. Um, uh, she uses a chair to get the advantage and then pitches Azumi into the ring, hits the double knees for two. They had some really good high-speed strike-off stuff. I thought that was cool about how they were exchanging strikes with some high-speed offense, mixing that in. Uh, Azumi winds up winning, winning the strike off. Of course she does because Azumi is a very underrated and fantastic striker. Azumi goes for the uh, double stomp and she gets suplex off the top rope. And um, when she does, she basically rolls back through and she comes back with an arm drag. Several near quick falls with uh, Azumi uh, escaping the pink devil. And it seems like very much in the Momokogo match from a couple weeks ago that Rina was like a step behind. Like she had Azumi really well scouted. She, you know, she had a really well scouted, you know, building towards the finish that any quick move or quick fall that she was going to try to do or like that quick high-speed offense like Rena had some sort of counter for. Uh, she gets the advantage on it. She uh, goes for the pink devil and Azumi escapes. She hits uh, basically a backslide into the back bridge uh, uh, pin. Um, and she gets the win at three and three, four stars. You know, really good stuff. Again, at this match, maybe a little bit too short. I understand the high-speed matches. You're trying to get a, go a little bit faster, but you're really trying to highlight Rena here. Obviously, Azumi is a, you know, made person here. You, know, I think maybe they would have given an extra ninety seconds to highlight Rena a little bit more. But be that as it may, three, three, four stars, and it's just another feather in the cap of Azumi of taking the people kind of on the lower tier card and putting them in high speed matches, just elevating them. So I thought this was probably Rena's best singles match. And two weeks ago, we saw Momokogo's best singles match, all with Azumi. So kudos on to Azumi. Kudos on to Stardom mixing things up with the high speed division. You know, Rob and I talked at the beginning of this year that. There was nobody in the high-speed division other than Azumi, Starlight Kid, Koguma, Natsupoi. And you figured that they were going to be basically taking Natsupoi and uh, Starlight Kid out of the high-speed division. Because, like, what more can you do? So I think this was good, how they're just mixing more and more talent into this division. So really good job there. 
Captain's Fall three-way tag match. We have the tag team of representing Queen's Quest of Miyu Yamasaki, Lady C, and Hina versus the Cosmic Colors, Cosmic Angels team of Yunagi, Minashirakawa, and Haraki taking on the prominence team of Haragi, Risa Sarah, and Suzu Suzuki. I was practicing that for like three days. Haraki and Haragi. <laughs> Again, I'm not going to go, but just because there's eliminations over the top rope and pinfalls, I'm just going to hit the highlights here. Some really good double team stuff from Cosmic Angels as usual, especially with Haraki looked really good with Mina and Yunagi here. Well, again, I'm just a huge fan of, of their tag team stuff. But they hit really good tag team and triple team moves. So I thought, like, they looked really good there. Haragi hits a big Larry down to Lady C to eliminate her. Yunagi looked really solid here with her strikes, basically going back and forth with the Primates team and all three of those women. Haragi, Risa Sarah, and Suzuki are three really hard hitters. And Yunagi really held her own. I thought they were really smart when they were probably putting this match together and building this match as they wanted to make Yunagi look strong heading into the five star with her strikes so she can hold her own, you know, with the, you know, with the, the really good wrestlers, the really good strikers in her bracket. Uh, Risa Sarah has the air raid crash on Yunagi, eliminates her, and then Mina and Haraki over the top rope on Haragi, and then Mina and Suzuki, uh, it comes down to Mina and Suzu Suzuki, some really good stuff there. Obviously, it's Captain's Fall, so Lady C representing Queen's Quest, she's the first person out, so, uh, so that's it, Queen's Quest was eliminated. And uh, Mina and Suzu's stuff was really, really good. I thought it was the highlight of the match. Mina striking. You know, they did another, you know, they did a really good job putting over Mina and Yunagi striking here. I thought that was really, really smart. Um, so I thought that was uh, really smart. And then, and also, Suzu Suzuki didn't get like a dominant win over Mina here. She basically had a cradle up uh, Mina, which one kind of makes Mina look, you know, strong. You know, she didn't like take a huge like German suplex or anything like that. But two, it's something now we're going to, again, I'm going to, i broken record about saying about the five-star, but it's the truth. Now it's like we're going to be looking at Suzu Suzuki has more than one weapon in her arsenal to win any matches at the five-star. You know, now she's got this flash pin, this cradle that it seems like a lot of the wrestlers in stardom uh, have. They, they seem to adapt to and go to. So I thought that was uh, really good there. You did a good job building up Mean and Yunagi in this match. And then, of course, uh, the Prominence team as well. So I this one at three and a half stars. Moving on to the Artists of Stardom Champions, we had the uh, team representing Donald Del Mundo, Julia, Micah, and Himika taking on the Art Champions from Oedo Tai, Saki Kashima, Starlight Kid, and Momo Watanabe. Match starts off with Starlight Kid and Julia coming out on fire. I mean, they these two do not like each other, and that's if you've never seen a Stardom match before and you just put this one on, that's pretty evident. Like, ooh, there's some heat there. Um, tags back out to Momo and Himika, and these two just light each other up. Love to see a one-on-one -on -one match, you know, with a little bit above 10 minutes for these two because they really lit each other up. I thought that was some good stuff. Uh, Himika does a really good job on coming from behind. I can, uh, she does a, she's for her being one of the stronger and taller and power, more powerful members of the starting roster. Like when she's down and she's selling, like you believe it. She does a really good job that she does a really good job, like firing back up. Uh, especially on, you know, and then it obviously makes sense when you have someone like Momo Watanabe who, whenever she kicks you, it sounds like, you know, a, a tree's hitting you. <laughs> she just has those big, powerful kicks. Um, tag out into uh, Micah, then we get some stuff with Micah and Momo. You know, when Micah comes in, she comes in running wild uh, through Momo with her, some shoulder tackles and some power moves. Momo gets the advantage back with some stiff, stiff kicks. Some really good triple team work from the champions. Um, Julie, gets it, Julie gets in the ring. She gets beaten down by the tag team champions. I thought that was really good. You're focusing on the leader, Donald Del Mundo. How do we get the advantage? Do we do it one? Do we do it two? No, we do it three because we're the heels. So I thought that was some really smart psychology 
is when Julia comes in, she gets the advantage, but the only way to get the advantage back is by cheating and doing a three-on-one. I thought that was really good. Um, Julia gets back up on Saki. Uh, she goes for the uh, glorious driver, but she gets rolled in the Kishikasai, which a lot of people thought that that was the, that was the fall, but it wasn't. She kicks out. Julia and Saki trade strikes back and forth, and we can kind of tell this is going to come down to Julia and Saki. Uh, Julia catches Saki in the Ganske roll. Uh, we've seen her beat her with that hold a couple weeks ago on a row two show. So uh, a lot of people thought that, that was going to be the finish. Starlight Kid pulls the ref out. Oh, that's dirty away to tie. And you know I don't like it when you abuse the ref, but I thought this was, was well done here. Uh, Mike and Himika, they've had enough of that away to tie BS. They lariat sandwich Starlight Kid. They lariat sandwich Momo Watanabe. There's one person left to do the lariat sandwich to, and that is to the deadly Saki Kashima who is the leader, or excuse me, is the legal person. But as they go for the Lariat sandwich, Saki pulls Julia in front. Starlight Kid and Momo pull Mike and Himika out. Saki gets the three count on Julia with the Kishikasai. Three and three-fourth stars. I thought it was a really good finish. Didn't see Julia taking the fall here. I think a lot of people figured that the champions would retain, and it would be the Kishikasai, the most dangerous move in all of stardom, to get the win. The fact that they got it on Julia, who was... Again, it's pegged on a lot of people to win the five-star. So that was very interesting. Very interesting there. And I hope this is just like a one little boo-boo thing. I hope there isn't any more cracks in the armor that is Donald Del Mundo. Because last year at this time, they were the strongest faction. And now we've just seen so many people leave. Obviously, Sherry wins the championship, takes Mirai with her, forms God's Eye. Um, Natsupoy leaves the group. So it's like, I hope we don't see a breakup with Mike and him coming. At least not yet. I can see the two of them going off in their own factions, you know, being the, you know, the co-leader of another faction somewhere. But I'd like to see them, you know, stay together underneath Julia and maybe get another, you know, proper uh, tag title run. So we shall see. Yeah, three and three fourth stars. Uh, this match delivered again. This is another match that I thought that if they maybe gave another three or four minutes, I thought that maybe they would have stretched out. It would have went on paper. I'm thinking this is an easy, you know, four, four and a quarter star match. It was really good. Didn't get there. Um but I really like the finish. I really like, you know, what, you know what they did there. Moving on to match number six, our next championship match. We have FWC, the team of Hazuki and Koguma, the champions, taking on the challengers of Amisori and Mirai. This is a rematch from the show earlier in this month that went to, earlier in this month that went to a time limit draw. Challengers take the early advantage on Koguma by using some chops and some stiff, stiff offense. Uh, they slow down Koguma's high speed pace using their power. You know, Amisori and Mirai, two of the stronger and harder hitters in uh, stardom. Uh, Koguma uses a Koguma cutter, hot tag into Hazuki, and guess what happens, folks? Say it with me. Hazuki Mania runs wild. Uh, <laughs> she comes in, big boots, boot scrapes for all. Um, I thought that was some really, really good stuff there. Um, Hazuki tags back in Koguma. Koguma comes back in. Koguma Mania runs wild a little bit, and then she gets cut off from Mirai and Amisori's tag team, uh, tag team moves. Hazuki comes back in the ring to a trademark offense. She goes back in the cross face to slow Mirai down. I thought that was really good about how she kept going in these cross faces and the psychology of trying to wear down Mirai's neck. That would obviously, that, you know, would set her up for two of her big, big moves, the Mijinoko driver and the Brain Buster. Big strike exchange between Mirai and Hazuki. Um, eventually, they, the challengers slow down Hazuki by getting some double team moves in and they get the advantage back. And then you kind of figure, this is smart. You see this basically three times in this match leading up into the you know back half of this match that the challengers get the advantage of the champions. And the main reason why they do it is by using double team moves. 
well then now how do we get the advantage back but we're the you know best in the world we have these belts let's use utilize some of our tag stuff so hazuki and koguma start us, utilizing some of their tag team offense and they get the advantage back uh sent on into the Mijinoka drive on Ami, sorry for two Hazuki is just so desperate to get that Hazuki straw. They do a really good job building this Hazuki straw cradle up. She goes for it. She can't get it. She goes for it a second time. Uh, Ami winds up getting out of it. And then they finally slow, start to slow Hazuki down with some more lariats back and forth. Koguma, at this point, is just kind of almost a non-factor because she's been taking so much abuse. You know, she basically came in and kind of got the rest of her offense in with the tag team stuff to kind of aid Hazuki. But at this point, everybody's just, every, the chat, the champions are just eating lariats left and right. Um, huge lariats back and forth. Um, it's not like back and forth, but just some big lariats on a Hazuki. Uh, Emi, sorry, hits a BT bomb for two. And then they wind up taking Koguma out for good and just pitch her out to the floor. And then instead of the lariat sandwich from that, like Mike and Himika do, I thought this was really, really cool. Mariah throws that left-handed lariat. So Amisori throws a lariat from the right. And Mariah throws a left-handed lariat from the well, left-handed lariat, obviously from the right, from the left. Uh, and Hazuki does, as always, does a great job feeding for it and just eats the big lariat. Koguma starts to get up a little bit. Mariah takes her out. And you see Ami, sorry, she's going for the brain buster. And if you've seen these Hazuki matches, you know one or two things are happening. Either we're going to have new champions or Hazuki is going to pull her best Bret Hart out. And she's going to roll up Ami, sorry. That's what she does. She counters the brain buster ami sorry's go-to finisher into the hazuki straw four and a quarter stars the reason why i use that bret hart and hazuki reference is hazuki's like reminded me a lot of bret hart like when bret would win when he would get on a roll towards the end of his matches you know he hit the russian leg sweep the backbreaker the elbow drop from the second the sharpshooter he would chain a whole bunch of bunch of moves together to get the win and you've seen like hazuki do that you know using the cross face and then like the brain buster and the Mijinoku driver and the Senton. And sometimes she, you know, she changes it up, maybe hit the Senton and then maybe the Brain Buster for the win. But then you would see Brett, like all of Survivor Series 95. Yes, I'm going to mention Diesel on this podcast. Remember Survivor Series 95, Diesel and Brett Hart. Diesel was beating on Brett. Brett was trying to come in the ring and Diesel just shot put at him through a table. And this is 95 outside of ECW and FMW. Table spots were very, very rare, especially on pay per view. So you see Brett just crawling into the ring, crawling into the ring, and Diesel goes to go finish him with his powerbomb, and Brett desperately rolls him up for the three count. So you see Hazuki do that quite a bit. I mean, we've seen her, she did it to win the tag titles the first time on Julia, and then when they lost the belts to Momo and Starlight Kid, they had the rematch, and Momo was just drilling Hazuki with Peach Sunrise after Peach Sunrise and was setting up for Peach Thunder, and Hazuki was able to wiggle out and hit the Hazuki Straw Cradle. So, Allah in the vein of Bret Hart, Hazuki is, I don't know if she's meaning to do it. And let me know if you see the similarities as well. But Hazuki's like reminding me of like a Bret Hart, like a newer style of Bret Hart, which is the biggest compliment I can I can pay her. Obviously, I'm a huge Bret Hart fan. I'm a huge fan of Hazuki, and I'm super excited to see what she's going to do into the five-star. Moving on to our co-main event, we have the Wonder Stardom champion, Saki, all capital letters from Colors. Taking on one of our wrestlers of the year, your and mine and everybody's wonder starting champion, Saya Kamatani. I was really excited to see this match just because I don't know too much about Saki. I only seen just the stuff in stardom. Saya Kamatani is on, in my opinion, back-to-back five-star matches for the wonder starting championship with Mirai and Starlight Kid. Two of the best matches I've seen all year. So 
Uh, I was interested to see what she's going to do with somebody that I really don't know too much. And then again, Saki, she's going into this, coming out of this match, win, lose, or draw. She's got to go into the five-star, that loaded five-star tournament. So uh, excited to see how this was going to go. Quick offense to start as the two go out, outside. Saki hits Saya with a Mijinoku driver onto the floor. Good way to catch my attention. I don't know much about you. You're going to do some high-speed offense and then Mijinoku driver, my champion, onto the floor. How dare you? Saki follows up with some nice submissions to try to slow Saya down. Um, especially on her back, including a sharpshooter. I didn't even mean to do that. Met a Bret Hart reference, and then we go right into the sharpshooter. Saya Kamatani, uh, her selling is really, really on point. I mentioned that Starlight Kid match, that the one thing that we don't pay attention enough to, or we give Saya Kamatani enough credit for is her selling. Her selling was really, really good here, especially in this portion of the match. Uh, Saya Kamatani gets the advantage back with the Hurricanrana, and then a beautiful spring, springboard plancha onto the outside. And she, when she comes up, she's holding the back. Big fan of that. Fight through the pain. You know, fighting spirit. Uh, Saya, uh, excuse me, Saki counters Saya with a beautiful superplex followed by a slingshot sup, uh, suplex and a near uh, near fall, you know, a la Tully Blanchard. That was a really cool spot. Pair of big boots. I've noticed that. Saki throws a really good, when you're down on the ground, this big pumping kick, like low angle kick. Big fan of uh, Saya cuts Saki off from the top rope with a top rope hurricanrana, and these two start trading moves back and forth until Saki hits a Michinoku driver in the in the ring, and then she hits a corkscrew running suplex. She goes for the double knees but misses from the top. Saya, you know, will take advantage from that, and she has a big cum, uh, pump kick uh, from uh, from her as well. Boy, these two with their pump kicks, I tell you what, I think maybe they're just trying to be Hazuki. Uh, these two start selling exhaustion at this point. You know, you have big move after big move. You have these big kicks to the head. Well, they do a really good job at this point, bringing the crowd down, letting them breathe, because you know you're, you're going to have a sprint here for the finish. Really good psychology, good psychology, knowing when to sell, when to let them breathe, when to bring them back up. Back to the feet they go. We see stiff strike exchange between the two of them. Saya counters a brain buster into a star crusher for two, and then she follows up with the Phoenix Splash for the win. Really impressed with Saki, and I have this one at four and a half stars. I figured this one would probably be around the four-star mark just because how good Saya Kamatani is. And I know, knowing how good the booking of Stardom was, they wouldn't, they weren't going to put Saya Kamatani title match against somebody that's not going to hold their own. But that's uh, Saki did, and I'm really excited and uh, really going to be looking forward to what she's going to do with the five star. I'm a big fan of that finish too. You have them down, pile them on. She hits the star crusher, gets a two count, goes to the top rope, and then she hits her nuclear finish, the Phoenix Splash. Moving on to the main event. Boy, howdy, this is the main event. Hold on one sec. Let's get a drink of water. You, you out there in Stardom Cast will get a drink of Yoo-Hoo or beer. You're of age, of course. And uh, if you are of age, excuse me, of course, or protein shake or whatever, because strap on in, folks, because this main event was something. Okay. Match number eight. Our main event for the World of Stardom champion. Tam Nakano, everybody's favorite, everybody saying it's Tam time. She's coming off these two fantastic matches with Natsupoy. Had Natsupoy turn, in, turn with her into Cosmic Angels. She's on the run of her life, taking on the World of Stardom champion, Shuri. Uh, the two of them changed, they uh, exchanged like, some some kicks, just a little feeling out process, and then some really good chain wrestling to start. And you see Shuri locking on a really big headlock, really nice tight headlock, you know, high tight headlock. And then Tam just dumps it right on her head. And then Sherry sells to the outside. She's trying to get up on the ring apron. And Tam hits this knee that basically sandwiches Sherry's head in between the knee and the post early on. So early on, the champion's down. And you have this really big fight feel going into this. And then you have the champions just like basically gets hit with two bombs back-to-back, like 90 seconds in. So it's like watching a heavyweight title fight or an MMA fight where the 
you know, the just uh, you like the the champion who's just been an absolute role gets rocked early on, and everybody's on the edge of their seat. These two battle up the rampway. Sure, he goes for the backpack double knees. Tam slips out the back, hits the schoolboy into the violent shooting, and then all of a sudden we see Tam disappear. And it just seems like Tam's just absolutely nuts when it comes to these big shows. I mean, just doing these crazy, crazy things. She's like the, you know, I know a lot of, a lot of my friends and my friends that uh, work for AEW and, and watch AEW say like Sting is like the new New Jack because he's always diving off stuff. I guess we're gonna we'll, we'll say that Tam is the New Jack or Stink of uh, of Stardom because Tam goes on top of the Tron and it's a it's a dive like. Holy jeepers. Jumping off the Tron onto Sherry. And then obviously, you know, there was some members of Cosmic Angels and God's Eye there to catch her because you, you want to be safe. Uh, and I thought this was really cool that they teased a double count out here. We had this big dive, you know, they let it settle. The ref takes his time counting. It was almost about a minute. But they got to let it get it to 19. So they did a good job with the first falsy being a double count out. <laughs> Tam <laughs> doing a dive off the Tron. It's crazy. She's crazy. Uh, the two brawl them. Two wind up brawl and they go back to the apron. And they're sitting on the apron and they're trading their sit-down kicks like they did during the press conference. And I thought they did a good job showing the press conference beforehand. It's like they when they were building up the match, the two of them were sitting in chairs, kicking each other with heels on, which couldn't have been fun. As uh, if you go back and watch this match and see the press conference, Rossio Gower is just you know watching his main eventers just kick each other in the face with heels on. He's just in the background saying, "Okay, <laughs> I'm just gonna here and count my money from this match because." I hope that they made a lot of money because this match was fantastic. It really, really was. Um, Sherry gets the better exchange because she's the better striker. Of course she is. Um, and then starts booting Tam's head. At this point, this is Sherry's first real advantage of the match. And we're like halfway through. Tam tries for a few submissions, but if anybody's going to know the counter, it's going to be at the shooter, Sherry. Um, they trade kicks back and forth and some vicious, vicious headbutts. Sherry picks up Tam for the Ruin. Tam counters um, and... Well, Tam counters the Ruin. She gets out. Uh, excuse me. No, she doesn't counter the Ruin. I'm sorry. I'm misreading my notes. Tam uh, gets a... She eats the Ruin, and she kicks out a two, but she eats a nasty pump kick, and she gets a near KO. I thought that was really, really cool. She gets her head kicked, kicked in real hard from Sherry, and Sherry goes to cover, and the ref is like, no, I think she's out. I think she's out. Tam does a phenomenal job selling the glazed look on her face. Like, she is out. Um, once Tam gets up at nine, you can see, like, she's on rubbery legs, Sherry goes for a desperation uh, kick. Tam gets out of the way and hits like this forearm clothesline and then basically knocks uh, Sherry down, you know, for a little bit. And where you think maybe Sherry's uh, Sherry's going to be knocked out. Tam locks in that leg choke submission that we've seen her do, you know, with the high ride, and the break fall. I thought that's really cool. I'd like to see her get a couple wins with that. Uh, I thought that was uh, very well done. And maybe leading up to this match and some of those multi-person matches, maybe Tam got so, gets a win or two with that, you know, to build it up a little more. Be that as it may. Tam hits a beautiful Tiger suplex for two. Sherry kicks out. Sherry eats a spin kick, a buzzsaw kick, and then a punk kick of her own. And then she waits for Sherry to get back up, or not back up, but under her knees. It's a violent shooting for 2.99. So close. Big fan of that. So Tiger suplex, again, I like it in these big matches where you're piling big moves. Tiger suplex, spin kick, buzzsaw kick, punk kick, violent shooting. So close. Tam trying to get Sherry for the violent screwdriver. She finally hits it. And I wasn't sure what was going to happen here. And if you remember when I did the review for her and the uh, Sherry and the Momo match, my biggest complaint is when Momo hit that locomotion peach sunrise three in a row. She had Sherry right in the middle of the ring. After the ref count at one, Sherry was staring right at the ref, knowing when to kick out. And it took me out of it for like a half a second. 
this was the complete opposite. Tam goes to cover Sherry as the ref is coming up for two. Sherry, is her eyes are closed. And I thought for a couple seconds that that's it. We're seeing a new champion. I was so convinced just by the way that Tam is just chaining these moves. Is this the way to beat the champion? I kind of have her on the ropes early. And then I hit Tiger Suplex, Spin Kick, Buzzsaw Kick, Punk Kick, Violent Shooting. And now the Violent Screwdriver. Is that the way to defeat the lady who hasn't had a singles loss in roughly about a year's time? Is by chaining all my big moves together. And I really, I was literally sitting up on my seat. I thought we were seeing a new champion. Sherry kicks out 2.999. So close. This is great. I mean, the crowd's really coming up for this. This is just great. Tam goes for the Twilight Dream. Sherry in desperation. She goes to the ropes. She can't get anything locked at the ropes except for her mouth. Really cool visual there. She bikes the ropes to try to get the ref to break the hold. Tam, out of desperation, pulls Sherry off the ropes, but not far enough. She hits the Twilight Dream, but she's too close to the ropes. And Sherry gets her leg on the rope. Oh, if she would have just been a little more patient, just taking her a foot away, we may have seen a new champion. Great psychology, great storytelling. Um, Tam starts blistering Sherry with kicks. Sherry fires up and fires back with some knee strikes and then a huge head kick. Uh, both champion and challenger are down. The crowd is really, really coming up. It's anybody's match at this point. Strikes back and forth. Neither champion or challenger is backing down. You just see this fighting spirit from the two of them. Exactly what a big world title match should be. Uh, just absolutely fantastic. This is the blueprint. This is how a big fight should go down. A big championship match should go down. Sherry hits a big German, super, German suplex and hits the Ruin for two. She hits a big kick to Tam. Tam fire, basically bridges back up, fires up. saying, like, no, you want to, you better kill me if you want to keep this championship. And she basically does. She hits her with a buzzsaw kick, which I thought was going to be the finish. Tam kicks out for two, uh, at two. And again, I'm a big fan of piling on finishes. Sherry has Tam right where she wants her. Picks her up for the Vermilion World for the pinfall, the one, two, three. I don't see how you can give this match anything less than five stars. Absolutely fantastic performance. Maybe Tam's best match of her career. Obviously, the two white belt matches with Saya are up there. A lot of people like the two matches from Natsupoi. Excuse me, with Natsupoi from just a few, uh, about a month or so ago. As far as Sherry's championship matches go, I mean, this is right up there with the Mayu. I mean, this, Mayu, Julia, Momo, I mean, they're all right there. I, I like this one better than the Momo, maybe a little bit better than the Julia. I got to go back and watch the uh, the Mayu matches. I know that's kind of like a polarizing match, and I think it might be one that we'll do for our, our watch-along for the Red Belt tier members uh, just to kind of you know refresh myself with that match. This was fantastic, absolutely fantastic, and I thought the post-match promo was great. How uh, Shiri had the belt on, and Tam came over to it and was just holding it. Like, I was so close. I was so close. So I know going into this match, a lot of folks were saying, well, you're kind of killing Tam's momentum going into the five because If she doesn't win, does anybody want to see a rematch here? Well, one, we're getting it. You know, they're both in the same block. They're both in the uh, the Red Stars block. And does Tam win? And then they do. And then she wins the tournament and they do a rubber. I would have no problem seeing this match two more times this year. Uh, I'm easy going. You folks know me. I'm easy going. Tam for sure. This was absolutely fantastic. A great way, uh, great, you know, the pay-per-view. The first couple matches was a little, I wish they would have gave a little more time. Artist match was really good. Wish it would have gave him a couple more minutes. But those last three matches, the tag title match, the Wonder Stardom Championship match, and the Red Belt match, absolutely fantastic. As far as my number one wrestler of the year, I keep going back and forth between Sai and Sherry. Uh, I think when we, when last time I recorded, I had Sherry going over, uh, or excuse me, Sai over Sherry just a little bit because I thought her championship 
defense with Starlight Kid was slightly better than Sherry's over Momo. And I think I'm just got to flip it again just because I thought this this was just fantastic. I think right now Sherry just barely, barely beating Saya for, for the wrestler of the year. And uh, I think we got to put Tam in like number five or number six position. Again, in my opinion, you can like we like. I think Tam is like she was like right around the top 10 up until like her last three matches. The two would not support this. But I think she's cracked like the top five or six. So uh, and it's going to be interesting seeing what's going to come out of the five stars. So, uh, well, that's it. I just I just looking at my timer here. I'm well over an hour. I'm trying to keep these podcasts around an hour. There's a lot to talk about, a lot to go through. Again, I hope everybody enjoys the five star. I mean, how can you not? I hope everybody is having a great time. They're having a great summer. You're being safe out there. You're staying positive. You know, you're you're hitting your goals. Anything that I can do to help, any positive motivation you want to talk about, anything, comic books, movies, wrestling, stardom, you know, hey, please, you know, let me know how I can help. You know, hit me up. The, the messages I get literally on an hourly basis from the fantastic listeners and friends and family of the stardom cast. I can't say thank you enough, but keeps me motivated, which keeps me going, which keeps these fantastic uh, ideas keep on going. The Patreon, Patreon, uh, the next, the, the last watch along was just uh, just posted earlier this week, where it was the finals of the 2019 Tag League with uh, B. Breezy and Jamie Hader versus Tam Nakano and Arisa Hoshinki. I'll be recording later in this week the next watch along. We're trying to get those up on Monday, so we're trying to get the watch alongs up on Monday and then the weekly podcast up on Friday. So. My, me, uh, mine and Sean's thing is start the week on stardom and end the week on stardom. Obviously, you have the $5 tier for the uh, Patreon for the for the watch along for those Monday podcasts. And a big, I know I'm running along, big thank you to Sean as I'm sending him so much stuff. I just sent him yesterday the Arisha Hoshinki uh, Wonder Stardom uh, uh, review retrospective. That should be in your uh, play boxes, you know, sometime soon or might even be up by the time you listen to this. Um, I know I'm giving, giving him a lot of stuff. And the uh, last poll has closed. The August Patreon for our White Belt and Red Belt tier members will be Hanukkah Mora's 2019 five-star run. So I will be going through every single one of Hanukkah Mora's matches in the five-star, reviewing them and rating them. That'll be the that'll probably drop in about two or three weeks. And then by the end of August, the 2017 Tony Storm uh, five-star Grand Prix run will be there. So same concept. I'll be watching and reviewing every single one of Tony Storm's matches in the five-star review. So um, are in that five-star run. So again, everyone, thank you so much. Like I said, any questions, comments, please let me know. And uh, hope everybody has a great day, great weekend. We're enjoying the five-star. You know, hey, st- stay active on Twitter. Tag me in some stuff. Tell me what matches you like, you didn't like. Tell me who you think is going to be the MVP, who you think is going to impress you the most. And you know, what matches you're really looking forward to. You know how to get a hold of me, Matt Turner OF on the Twitter and or the Instagram as well. So signing off for this week's episode of the Stardom Cast. Remember, we're all in this together and everybody's different. Everybody's special. Love you all. Have a great day and a great night. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.